3: Gabriel Bienvenido. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Bar Line Broadcast Network and Ring Talk live worldwide. Check it, you're inside the world of boxing and MMA. Straight up, but you already probably know this, my name is Pedro Fernandez. I'm the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio Airways, Having defended that title, and forget this, better than 32 years. And straight up today, we are hours away from USC 202. Forget boxing today. Boxing's coming out tomorrow. Of course, Sunday, Errol Spence going to take an NBC slot. The big network, the Peacock, Peacock Network, right? Boxing coming back to NBC. That's Sunday. That's straight up to today. We're talking August the 20th, folks. USC 202. Conor McGregor, of course, the ex-champion, really at 145 pounds, stepped up to 170, thought he could whip Nate Diaz. Didn't happen that way. Nate Diaz won a second-round submission tonight. The rematch, the biggest fight of the UFC thus far this year. You know what? There's blood in the water. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz just hours away from UFC 202. Now, to preview UFC 202, I'll bring in Kyle Kyle Kingsbury for one segment. We'll also talk some boxing as well. So, we've got lots of things to talk about. You can join us if you'd like. one 800 878 is That's 1 800 7529. So I'm looking at some website here. It says NBC and NBC owned networks owned Rio boxing competition. I don't know what that means. Anyway, we'll take a look at the, the Olympics as well. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live.
4: for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call
0: 1-800-603-0997. That's 1-800-603-0997. 1-800-603-0997. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slash commercials Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors.
5: Not available in all states.
3: Starting it off, right there, rocked
2: him. Right. to go, right. Domi, and Guida. Oh,
6: oh. head oh. kick! Okay. Guida's pace is relentless. Forty-five. Yeah, get the head.
7: that Frankie Edgar was able to recover on that at all. And he's has got match.
0: Oh. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Woo! It's going to be good. Little Tower of Power there, 12 and a half in this past
3: hour. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Ballet oh. Live from the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. Don't forget... 10 p.m. Saturday nights, Johnny talking his all stars take over the airways here at Sports Byline for two hours to talk boxing, MMA, general sports, social issues, sex, uh, social issues, uh, sports. Anyway, bottom line is Johnny talking his all stars will have some fun tonight for two hours. 10 p.m. Pacific time each and every Saturday night right here on Sports Byline, straight up USCU 202, just hours away. Of course, USCU 202, headlined by Conor McGregor, the Irishman. Of course, the mouth that roared, no doubt about it. One of the uh, most prolific fighters in the history of mma and yet he's only been in the spotlight last couple of years i mean when he broke out of ireland of course he he didn't have the greatest record in the world he lost a couple of fights when he wasn't that good on the ground his ground game wasn't all that good i was told anyway he lost a couple fights and then uh sort of cemented his uh legacy at 145 by beating jose aldo in like 12 seconds which wasn't a fluke because he can punch when you can punch that hard it's not a fluke when you knock people out in 12 seconds okay but of course uh knocking Aldo out was like the pinnacle of his career, no doubt about it. That put him on, what can I say? He was like in the skyscraper as far as USC was going. There was no higher level he can go than beating Aldo. Pound for pound, he was the guy. Or was he? Because just a few months later, when the Rafael Dos Anjos fight, of course the fight at 155 for the lightweight championship, fell out for Conor McGregor 10 days before, he decided he was going to play uh, matchmaker and dictator and all that kind of good stuff. And he chose Nick Diaz. I mean, Nate Diaz. Nick Diaz's brother. So that was a huge mistake. You know, Nate Diaz is a natural guy that walks around about 180, 185 pounds. Sometimes uh, people say he gets up over 200. He was over 200 for this last fight. In other words, he built himself up to come down, to break down in weight as far as to cut his weight's concerned. So he's a bigger guy physically than he was before. And if he was bigger, if he's bigger physically than he was before, Conor McGregor doesn't have a prayer. He doesn't have a chance because that, that was McGregor's really only shot here was going to come in here possibly and inflict the damage he did in the first round on Nate Diaz and possibly knock him out. I mean, because he's not going to be able to rumble with him body for body. They just don't have the body for body thing because Nate's a much bigger guy. I told you about this. In my amateur days, I fought 139 pounds as an amateur and won four Golden Glove championships. Was knocking everybody dead at 139 junior welterweight. That was the limit back then. I mean, I was pasting people, pasting them. Okay, then I moved to 147. Then it wasn't knocking people out. Then I was, you know, barely getting by. Not barely getting by, but in other words, guys that uh, where I wouldn't get hit at 139, I was starting to get hit at 147, starting to feel the punishment. There was heavier guys. You just felt it. They were bigger. They were stronger. And then I lost about at 147 in the Nationals against Ernie Chavez, who went on to fight Meldrick Taylor, the future world champion and the 1984 Olympic gold medalist. Um, after fighting Chavez at 147, I ran back to 139 pounds because he spanked me. What I'm trying to tell you is that moving up and down in weight is not healthy. You fight at your best weight, period, and you don't pick guys off the street and say, uh, you know, I think he, he's not ready. I'll take him on 10 days' notice. Listen, Nate and Nick Diaz are boxing freaks. They never held jobs in their lives. They've been nothing but fighters, okay? They don't know what to work is. They just don't. They've been fighters from day one, all right? So when you have guys that are just basically fighters, it's hard to deal with them. Of course, both Nick Nick and Nate Diaz have been, uh, how how can I put this, had tumultuous relationships off and on with Dana White. Of course, Dana White, the president of the USC, how long will remain in that position? We don't know, seeing the USC was sold a fortnight ago for $4.2 billion. In case you didn't know, that's $4,200 million. A lot of money. Is it worth it? I don't know. I didn't think so. But other economists have weighed in. Some have said yes. Some have said no. Bottom line is the USC is what it is. Of course, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor are at the pinnacle as far as fan attractions concerned in USC 202. Now, the rest of the card really doesn't matter. It all boils down to Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. Of course, the first time around, Conor was a pretty good favorite, no doubt about it, almost a two-to-one favorite going in. And people say to me, you know, that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. I mean, Two-to-one favorite over a guy that's a natural welterweight. I mean, there's no respect whatsoever. No respect. Absolutely none. None. He didn't respect Nate Diaz. Just like, just like uh, Kane Velasquez didn't respect Fabrice Berdum and the altitude down there in Mexico City when he lost the World Heavyweight Championship. You must show some respect to your opponents, and Nate Diaz didn't get any respect. He went out there and took a bit of a uh, a shellacking in the first round. He took a good, good amount of punishment in that first round. But he came back in that second round, And he stopped a gassed-out Conor McGregor. And that's what's going to happen again. If Diaz gets through the first round, the fight's over for Conor McGregor. If he doesn't get Nate Diaz in the first round, it's over. Oh, yeah, he's working on his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Listen, Nate Diaz is a a blackjack in BJJ. He's a blackjack, blackjack, a black belt, okay? Might as well say he's a blackjack. He He rolls 21s in the gym. I mean, listen, he's an accomplished boxer. Conor McGregor is he's an accomplished boxer as well. Of course, talking about that Floyd Mayweather fight in uh, in New Year's 2017. We'll see if that ever comes to play. Yeah, right. Who wants to see Mayweather? I don't want to see Mayweather again, let alone in the ring with a novice uh, in Conor McGregor. Anyway, McGregor and Diaz tonight, the main event. Nobody's talking about anything else. Get this. I was blown away by it. Absolutely blown away by it. Guess who's favored in this fight? Are you ready? Are you ready? Conor McGregor's a favorite. I kid you, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just like going, huh? You know, because 90% of the time, 85 to 90% of the time, the guy that wins the first fight wins the second fight. Okay? I mean, what does McGregor have coming in here? Not a whole lot. Doesn't have the height on his side. Doesn't have the, the size on his side. I mean, he's got three years in age as far as 27 to 30 over in Diaz, years, but he hasn't got the reach. He hasn't got the size. He hasn't got, he hasn't got any advantages coming here outside of being a big puncher. He's a very, very big puncher, no doubt about it. And more props to being a big puncher. But if you can't knock a guy out, and Nate Diaz is not one of those guys likely to get knocked out, if you can't knock a guy out, well then, i going to say you got some problems, and Conor McGregor's going to have some problems right now. Nate Diaz is a get this a minus one thirty two. Take that, no, take that, a plus one twelve uh, underdog. So In other words, you bet a hundred bucks and you get back two hundred twelve bucks if you bet on uh, on Nate Diaz. Now to Bet win 100 bucks on Connor McGregor, get a bet 132 bucks to win, 130, to win $100. So, what I'm trying to tell you is McGregor is a slight favorite, and I'm just blown away by it. Just absolutely blown away. Of course, he co feature Lover Texaria, of course, of, of Brazil, Brazilian fame, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, taking on the puncher, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Johnson's a minus 200 favorite, and I guess that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, you would think that's about right because he is a. Um, better fighter than the other guy, I think. I think he's a better fighter. But we'll see what happens. Tixaria can punch. I mean, he broke a friend of mine's facial bones, Kyle Kingsbury, who, who we'll hear from probably in segment four tonight. Have a long close here from Kyle in segment four. So we'll talk boxing in this next segment. But uh, we'll go back to MMA at about 37, 38, 40 minutes past the hour. We switch gears. We talk USC 202 with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's good friend, Kyle Kingsbury. He, they are, they, you know, I mean, he dogs them, and then he likes them, and he dogs them, and he likes them because – Conor is one of those guys that you sort of love to hate, sort of love to hate him, sort of like Muhammad Ali back in the early days, you know, when, when people wanted to see him lose more, they wanted to see him win. Well, McGregor's right at that point right now, and he's only been in the spotlight, as I said, two years. Now, Conor McGregor was supposed to be in USC 200. He and Nate Diaz were supposed to hook it up in the rematch, USC 200. Of course, that didn't happen, and then the USC needed a, uh, a shot in the arm for that car, so what did they do? They went out and they hired Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar's steroid monkey that he is, Brought him in, of course, he failed uh, a steroid test, I think one of the night of the event and one on the 28th of July, of June. So it was one like two weeks before and one the night of the event. So they knew, or they had plenty of time by the uh, the event taking place July the 9th, Seeing he tested positive June 28th that he tested positive for a performance in anti-drug. Actually, it was a testosterone, no, it was an estrogen blocker. What they used an estrogen blocker for is when you go on and off steroids, which is basically testosterone, but when you up your testosterone level or lower your testosterone level at dramatic levels, it shows. I mean, whoa, all of a sudden you've got a high T level or a low T level, so you use this uh, est- estrogen blocker in order to mask it. It just covers it up, takes care of everything. sort of like your, your get-out-of-jail-free card. But he got caught with it. John Jones got caught with it. Of course, John Jones, a former USC light heavyweight champion, 200 and, uh five pounds, a guy that out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, got into all kinds of trouble. Of course, the UFC uh, suspended him for a while, took away his title, and then he was supposedly coming back, and he he did that little spiel we run here on, on Sports balling, where, you know, everybody, I'm transparent now. Everybody's looking at me. I'm the real deal. You don't have to worry about me anymore. Uh, I'm honest. He's full of spit with an H. Okay, that's all there was to it. John Jones, the con man. John Jones's brother, Arthur Jones of the Baltimore Colts, he tested positive in the very same week for, po- for performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, coincidence? Hell no! Come on! Two brothers, two different sports, testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs? You trying to tell me that's like an accident? I don't think so. Anyway, McGregor and Diaz not USC 202. going to switch gears in this next segment. We're going to talk a little boxing, of course. Boxing on NBC, the big network. NBC, the peacock tomorrow. Earl Spence, undefeated junior welterweight, welterweight, good-looking fighter, man, real good-looking fighter, 2012 Olympic, uh, Olympian. We'll see what he's got tomorrow on NBC television, talk about that more on the next segment of Rink Talk Live worldwide on Sports Pilot.
2: I had a pretty good week out here in Vegas, you know, to get out back in front of the fans and and to just be open and honest with them for really the first time in my career, just having everything out there for them to see. Um, and to see the way they've received me has been tremendous. You know, it's, it's it's scary when you tell the absolute truth about where you're at in your life and, you know, struggles with, with sobriety and just, just, just everything about me is really out there right now. And uh, it, it's really freeing to be in this position, to just not be hiding anything and just get to move forward in my life and... I feel great, man. It feels really good. Thank you to all the fans who who stuck by me and who still support me and who are excited for me. Um, it's, It's just so energizing for me as an athlete, and I really appreciate everyone so much.
4: What's that supposed to be, some kind of sick joke?
3: Blue Goo a try. Call one 888 330 and you'll receive a one-week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is one 888 330 If you want more information
6: on Blue Goo, visit online at www.dodogoo.com. Now
8: available at select Big 5 stores near you.
6: The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like they did for these Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can have your website built for free and up and running in as little as seven days. Plus, promote your site on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing.
8: If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously.
6: Call now to get your website built for free. If after 30 days you're happy with your new website, we'll continue to provide provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for just one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call 855-254-SITE, 855-254-SITE, 855-254-7483, or go to web.com slash radio. There is no upfront charge for building the website after which the ongoing fee applies. Rights to the website are relinquished upon cancellation unless otherwise purchased.
0: Now more of Talk with pedro fernandez
1: good to see you still alive i think i like you
3: let that cool music play just a second earl spence you ever heard of him Probably not. Earl Spence Jr., good looking welterweight, folks. I mean, Southpaw, African American fighter, of course, comes to us with an undefeated record. They call him the truth. Well, thus far, he's been truthful as far as winnings are concerned. I mean, he's 20 0 now, 17 knockouts, a big puncher, 17 wins, 20 kills. That's a very high knockout percentage, no doubt about it. I mean, he's the real deal, everybody says. But of course, everybody's a real deal until they really get hit on the chin against a world class competitor. And thus far, I don't think Earl Spence has been in uh, the world-class level. Of course, a lot of the guys he fought have been like Chris Algieri, stopped Chris Algieri in the blink of an eye. Chris Algieri is a tough, tough guy, no doubt about it. But, you know, Chris Algieri is a guy that would have mani cap mani pack like, put him down like four, five, six times in that fight. So he's like an elevator up and down. So there's really not a whole lot of, um, you really can't gauge things by the wins that Earl Spence has had thus far over the opponents he's had thus far. Of course, he's looked good over these guys, as well he should have because he's, He's better than most of these guys. I mean, the best record uh, that he faced was to talk about. I thought the uh, the record he had with um, with uh, Chris Algieri was twenty two and one. But you know, other fighters he faced were eh, twenty two and one, twenty three and one. Fought a lot of good records. There's no doubt about it. But good records don't mean that guys are good fighters. I mean, because you can build up a fighter like real, real easy and real, real quick. In fact, they used to do it in the Midwest all the time out of Oklahoma. <laughs> Remember. Uh, Sean O'Grady, the former lightweight champion, probably don't because Sean O'Grady goes back to the early 1980s when he won and lost that championship in the blink of an eye on CBS television. But his father, Pat O'Grady, ran a system in, in Oklahoma in which he uh, put boxes together and he would like have have one guy fight Sean four or five different times in four or five different cities all around Oklahoma because this is before the in- the internet and before basically before the internet when you could do in- before the in- anything went. So he'd have him he. Scott Cuddy would fight him in, 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 in uh, Oklahoma City on Friday night. Then Scott Cuddy would fight him under another name, like Pedro Fernandez on Saturday night over in Tulsa. Then maybe they go to Oklahoma. You know, they, in other words, they just passed it around. They did the circuit. And This is the way things were done. But the bad thing about Pat O'Grady, and they say, God rest his soul, not, anyway, was that he was a racist pig. And not only that, he used to call the immigration on these guys. And back in those days, in the 80s, the immigration, if you called them, guess what? There's a wetback over here. They would come and get them. I'm serious. They would, especially in Oklahoma. Especially in Oklahoma. So Pat would get these guys to fight four or five, six times for Sean, do sparring for Sean as far as sparring partners were concerned in the gym. I mean, he'd have these guys up there two, three months. And Then when it came time to go back, guess what? Immigrate! They call the immigration, he was off. And of course, that is the story of how Sean O'Grady became lightweight champion, and then lost the lightweight champion. Of course, he won the WBA title. And that was convincing, no doubt about it. But then they wanted him to fight Claude Noel. The WBA wanted him to fight the number one guy, Claude Noel, who was like a bit of a trickster. He wasn't much of a fighter. Of course, Alexis Arguel stopped him on a body shot on CBS television one afternoon, one Sunday afternoon. But, you know, Claude Noel wasn't much, but he was ranked number one. And know, Pat O'Grady didn't want to succumb to the WBA's pressures to fight this guy, so he started his own uh, boxing organization. I think it was called the World Boxing Side, Box. Anyway, the bottom line is, he started his own belt system. It didn't work out too well because his son lost in his very first fight. He moved his son up from 135 to 147, thinking it was nothing. I mean, what is he, nuts? Absolutely nuts. Pat O'Grady, as I said, God rest his soul, not. But back to today's fight. Chris Algieri. No, I mean, Chris Algieri uh, was a test for Earl Spence. He passed that with flying colors. Now, this guy today, is he supposed to be such a, fence? I'm talking about a test? I'm talking about Leonard Bundu, of course, 33-1. and Pretty good-looking fighter, but... The way things are laid out right now, Spence is a fighter on a mission. I think he's a guy, if, if Bundu can stop him, good. more power to him. But Bundu's really got to step it up here. There's no doubt about it. And I don't think he has the knockout puncher with 12 wins and 33 KOs to one-punch this guy into oblivion. And I think that's the way you're going to catch Earl Spence is you've got to hurt him. Listen, when you've got fighters who rely strictly on rhythm, Roy Jones, Pranell Whitaker, guys like this, um... Uh, Uh, Floyd Mayweather especially, when you have guys that rely on rhythm and reflexes and they're better than you, guess what? Don't go in there and try to outbox them. Go out there, go in there and try to gain some type of advantage, even if it is is a bit underhanded. I've been known, I was known to step on guys' toes. Guys would run away from me. Man, I'm not chasing you all around this ring. I'm tired. No, 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 no. I came here to fight. I didn't come here to run and chase you. I never ran from anybody so I didn't expect anybody to run from me. Okay? Didn't. Didn't and wouldn't. So, When guys would run for me and I start whipping and whipping these these wicked-ass body shots in there, uh, right on the belt line, the amateur officials would jump in and say, oh, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, be cool. They wanted you to go back to this head-only boxing. And that's sort of what boxing has developed into in the amateur ranks. There are no body punches in amateur boxing anymore. Of course, uh, Earl Spence, "Mm, not the body puncher per se. There are some good-looking body punches. Danny Garcia punched pretty good to the body. Speaking of Danny Garcia, the Philadelphia phenom of Puerto Rican descent, What's up with him? I mean, he was on fire at 140 pounds, the junior welterweight champion. No doubt about it, just on fire. And then the move to 147 is sort of languishing. I mean, just not not getting his call, not making his TV dates. I don't know if it's money or if it's father or if it's just this, the fact nobody really wants to fight him. I don't think that's the case because, again, Danny, Danny Garcia is not a guy that instills fear in people. I mean, he just doesn't do it. Anyway, Olympic boxing, is it worthy? Is it worthy? Are we even – willing to watch and spend some time watching Olympic boxing. I show too much of it on TV. I mean, do we really want to watch it? I mean, think about this. When you really, really look at the entire amateur boxing scene, we've got pros fighting from other countries, which I'm against, because they're pros. I mean, the Cubans are really pros. They're they're amateurs, but they're like 35-year-old amateurs. So a 35-year-old amateur that's been kept alive by um, uh, Cuban training facilities and and Cuban money and, and been on the Cuban dole for his entire life, I think he's essentially a professional who's been paid to stay an amateur, okay? That's just the way it was. Teofilo Stevenson, the great Teofilo Stevenson, the four-time Olympic, was he a four-time Olympic gold medalist. Anyway, of course, he he could have fought Muhammad Ali for like 15-20 million bucks back in the days when 15 or 20, 20 million bucks would be like 100 million dollars today, okay? He wouldn't do it. He said, "Why should I trade money for uh for Fame, in other words, I'm a hero here in my own home country, man. I could walk anywhere in this. I would not trade my status in this country for money. I just wouldn't do it. He didn't, of course. He died a couple years ago. Bit of a um, a drunk and a uh, bit of a drunk towards the end. The great T O Fuller Stevens. Anyway, Olympic boxing has it been more exciting this year? Nobody's calling me about it. Nobody's sending me emails about it. I don't see a whole lot of e- I don't see a whole lot of uh, copy about it on the internet. I mean, it's sort of like there. You know, what I mean, what happened? What happened? What happened to amateur boxing? What happened to the great Olympic days when you used to watch guys like, like not that he was the great greatest uh, heavyweight champion of all time, but Leon Spinks, Leon Neon back in 1976. Of course, that great Olympic team that Andy Nass still revels about. Of course, the kid from Marin County that once, once beat, and of course the former IBF number one ranked and Bring Magazine number one, one ranked junior welterweight contender. But 140 pounds, 147 pounds, that's where gold is, I think. But in welterweight division, uh, and the amateurs, I just don't see anybody stepping out. Nobody tells me that this guy's going to be the next Ray Leonard. Nobody says to me this guy's even going to be the next Deontay Wilder, of course, the 2008 Olympic bronze medalist, who's being called out now by this guy, Jarrell Miller. Jarrell Miller looking pretty good last night, taking out a hobo on uh, Showtime, but I got to tell you, Al Heyman's doing his thing. This is all Al Heyman. Last night, I think, it was Al Heyman. Al Heyman's doing this thing with Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight champion of the WBC. Of course, eventually, he will have to Risk that title against a worthy foe, be it Tyson Fury, be it one of the Klitschkos, be it the great or the apparent uh, heir to greatness. I'm talking about you know man, that kid, man. You gotta like the way people are looking, looking at the heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. You gotta look at him because he looks like Mark Meat. He just does. Everybody says to me, you know, he's a guy he can be taken right now. Any decent heavyweight can step up and do it. Mm, not really. Tyson Fury is a very, very good fighter. Okay, he is. He's big. He's tall. He's six foot ten. But he's not well-conditioned. And when he's not well-conditioned, he has to rely on that size. When you're going in against a guy that's like Anthony Joshua, six foot seven as well, the IBF title holder, lights out, baby. It's all over. The best fighter in the world, heavyweights right now, Anthony Joshua, 17-0, out of the UK, the IBF title holder. But, of course, he came out of the Olympics, 2012 Olympic gold medals. Are we talking about the 2016 games the same way? Probably not. Next up. Talk with Kyle Kingsbury, talking MMA, of course, UFC 202. Just hours away, Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, the rematch.
8: Results may vary.
6: Hello, I'm Jerry Mathers. I was the beaver in Leave It to Beaver. And 20 years ago, I almost died from type 2 diabetes. When I was diagnosed with type 2, I was shocked. My blood sugar was through the roof. Now, the very same natural remedies I use to control my type 2 diabetes are available for you in a super easy program called the Diabetes Solution Kit. And I should know it works. I use the very same techniques to drop 40 pounds of fat, get my blood sugar under control, and watch my type 2 diabetes fade into thin air. If you have diabetes, I urge you to try this step-by-step plan. It has all the natural techniques I used, and it works a lot faster, too. I'm Jerry Mathers, and if I can do it, you can do it, too. If you'd like to normalize your blood sugar and stop
1: taking your diabetes medication completely with your doctor's approval, go to 2016diabetes.com. That's 2016diabetes.com. Reverse your diabetes in as little as 30 days by going to 2016diabetes.com. That's 2016diabetes.com now.
0: Spring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: The royalty. Royalty is in the house, right? The king is with us. King's Corner, folks, on Sports Byline. Kyle Kingsbury in the house. King Kyle, how are you, sir? I'm doing great,
7: Pedro. How you doing, brother?
3: Pretty pretty fine, man. Tyrone Woodley, are we supposed to take something from him? Taking the uh, welterweight championship away from Robbie Lawler like that?
7: it was beautiful. Think about how many fights Robbie's been in, how many wars he's been in. Never been floored like that. Not in recent history. And then T. Wood comes in, closes the gap, and sleeps him.
3: But isn't Woodley the – he's probably one of the better strikers at 170, right?
7: He's incredible, and he's got knockout power. But but think about who he's gone against. I mean, when Robbie Lawler was facing the best version of Johnny Hendricks, and he arguably beat him twice, and then – he faced a very game at McDonald and smoked him, smashed his face in, made him quit. You know, I mean, he's gone against the who's who, but T Woods got power like nobody else in the division.
3: I talked with uh, Caesar Gracie this week. Of course, we'll have an interview with him a little bit later. He handled some of Nate Diaz's business, and he was telling me that that uh, Woodley called Nate Diaz and asked him Nick Diaz and asked Nick if he wanted a title fight, a title fight on four weeks' notice. Is that the way they do those guys or what?
7: Well, I mean. Woodley wants the big fight, you know, and I think seeing a lot of other guys get that fight, obviously Michael Bisbing's fighting Dan Henderson, who leapfrogged tons of guys in the middleweight division to get that title shot. I think it's about how much money can I make when I'm the champ, and because they're getting a percentage of pay-per-view and ticket sales, they got to maximize their time as champion. So I don't see any fault in that, but I am happy that they pulled the plug on it, and they're given the rightful, rightful heir to the title shot is uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson.
3: Okay, and where is GSP sitting this picture?
7: Man, he's got to come back. He wants the big fight, and he should get the big fight. So he might be actually looking to fight somebody like Nick Diaz, another guy with a huge name that can put on a good show, and, and people will be entertained and want to watch that fight.
3: I, I just think that the best thing to do for anybody in MMA is to stay clear of the Diaz brothers, because on any given night, they can beat anybody.
7: I completely agree, and they're always around, like <laughs> like in rounders. You keep <laughs> hanging around. These guys never are out of the fight.
3: <laughs> I still, still recall the... Uh, the biggest MMA crowd ever on television as far as uh United States TV artists has occurred, CBS TV late night, and the Diaz brothers got into a little bit of scrap there. Remember that one?
7: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Cause caused the cancellation of strike force on CBS.
7: Not a good look. Not a good look for the sport, that's for sure.
3: No, but the the bottom line is you don't pu- listen, you don't push those guys into a corner. You know that.
7: Well, cause they'll fight anywhere any place. They don't really care. I mean, they, and they they truly live by that. It's not a it's not a gimmick and they definitely they definitely show it. You know, even even with picking a fight with uh, Khabib, my teammate Khabib at uh I think it was um oh, what was it? It was World Series of Fighting, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Nate obviously trying to land that fight in the UFC, starting a little something outside the octagon at another show just to see if he can get that fight set up, but uh they their game inside and outside the cage. Good
3: point. You know, Holly Holm ticked a lot of people off when she beat up Ronda Rousey, especially the the uh, uh, the hierarchy of the UFC, Dana White, etc. Um, then, of course, they she wanted to take that that fight with Misha Tate, and they didn't want her to take the fight, and they went against. She went against the um, the powers that be at the UFC, and then she lost that fight, and then they put her into a fight with Valentina Shevchenko. Like she's got like 70, 70 pro boxing matches, seventy kickboxing matches. She's only lost two. I mean, she's a killer, and they put her in with a killer. I mean, they, would get, they, they, didn't, give the Holly, they didn't do any Holly Holm any favors here.
7: No, not at all. I think, you know, really when when, when she wanted, I, I fault her not in the least bit for wanting to get back in there and erase some of those losses, get back on the winning track. But she's gone against some tough people, and, you know, it was just one of those things where, she was put. Her best skills were against another person whose best skills were better than hers, and it showed in the fight. I mean, she got counterpunched. Everything was stronger. Everything coming from the opposition was hitting her harder. Leg kicks were harder. Clinch was much, much more devastating with the knees, and uh, she paid for it.
3: But Kyle, you know, shouldn't somebody get an easy fight after the? I mean, I'm sorry, man, but you know, in the amateurs, we never got easy fights. That just wasn't the case. Unless you know, we set up a, a smoker with some guy over in Hayward that couldn't lick a stamp. But outside of that, you never got an easy fight because you couldn't pick your opponent. But as a pro, you can pick your opponent. And I think that after you, like, have been in a, in a super fight as far as emotional is concerned, maybe or physically, you've been damaged or, or pushed to the limits, I think you should get a, you know, like a work fight. That's what they do on boxing. You get work fights, man.
7: Well, I'm happy you brought that up because a lot of guys in the and girls in the UFC do kind of get at least a little veto power. Nobody's picking their own fights unless they're the champ and they call somebody out. That said... You know, coming off of a four-fight win streak, I get Bonner, I lose, they give me Glover Teixeira, I lose, they give me 13-0 Jimmy Manoa, I lose. So there was at no point could I just say, no, nah, I don't want to fight that guy. I know how good he is and nobody knows him. Um, there's a lot of people in that situation. You get a lot of pressure, you get strong-armed. Hey, this is your opportunity, this is the only person we have for you. Sorry, you got to take this fight. Uh, you can still win. And whatever they got to do to coach you and your management into saying yes, but um, the fact is that unless you're a champ or a former champ, you really don't have a whole lot of say in who you have to go against.
3: Kyle, Kingsby, Kyle Kingsbury is our guest, folks, the king. I said the king of sports byline here in MMA. Of course, we call him King Kyle Kingsbury. He's a retired, now UFC fighter. That lawsuit, I, I guess, against Zuffa Sports, which is going to go forward even though they've sold the business to somebody else. Um, that's that's what this is all about, right? Being, guys being hammered and strong-arming the fights they shouldn't have taken?
7: Well, there's a multitude of things, really the fact that they're a monopoly and a monopsony, and through contracts and, and more or less illegal contracts, the ability to keep guys indefinitely, the champion's clause that allows them to match anyone else, so really you can never get out of a contract. Then you couple that with the fact that a lot of guys who have one fight left on their contract aren't allowed to go into free agency. They're forced to re-sign immediately. Uh, or just sit the bench. You know, they did that with Andre Arlovsky back in the day. They sat him for eleven months before putting him on the undercard against a really good wrestler in hopes he would lose. So there's there's a number of things at hand here, but um it looks like it's gonna keep going. It's just gonna take some time, but it looks it looks good.
3: Well Gilbert Melendez lost that close fight to Anthony Pettis, for the lightweight t- title about a year and a half, two years ago. He said that he had felt he had lost the step. He had felt he felt he saw he was a little bit slower against Pettis. Now he's lost a few fights in a row now, losing to Edson Barbosa recently. Has Gilbert seen his better days?
7: I think so. I think so. And that's not a slight against Gilbert. I mean, let's face it. He's been in a ton of wars. He's had a lot of wars with my teammate Josh Thompson. Um, he's come out on top more often than not in his whole career and, and in the fights with Thompson. But those things take its toll and they add up. doesn't matter if you're a lightweight or a heavyweight. They definitely take its toll on him. And you start to see him now, especially with a guy like Edson Barbosa, who's just lightning fast and incredible striker. I just don't think he really had a chance in that fight. You know, was, you, brought,
3: you brought up Josh Thompson, the punk, and I've had him on the show in the past. When he lost that fight to Benson Henderson, when, the fight in which he won, everybody at ringside had him winning but the three judges, I believe. Or, um, that's just the way it went down. The entire pressure had him winning that fight. He was never given that rematch. And I think that, you know, here's what's happens a lot of times, Kyle, is a guy gets up emotionally for one night. And he goes out there and he comes up with a super super performance. And if he isn't heralded for that super performance, if he isn't declared the winner, it affects him emotionally for the rest of his life. I did my best and I lost even though I won. So it's a heavy psychological burden. And then on, on top of that, they put Josh into a tough fight after that. I mean, they didn't give him a break at all, even though he had won the title and, and didn't get it.
7: Yeah, most definitely there were no breaks given there. I mean, it's it's plain as night and day that they have their favorites and guys they want to push, and I think that's been a big gripe against guys like Conor McGregor because they get such a big push from the PR team. The difference is that Conor's been able to back it up for the most part up until he ran into Nate Diaz.
3: Interesting. We're talking with Kyle Kingsbury, of course, about the current USC status. I'm looking at the entire schedule as far as the USC is concerned. Them going into Madison Square Garden, of course, that's going to be, I believe, in November. Uh, yeah, November the 12th. They haven't got a card yet, USC 205. The union's finally buckled, huh?
7: Well, they, I think money is money, and they understand, you know, they can bring these guys in here and have a sellout at Madison Square Garden, and it's going to bring a lot of money in the state. You know, people don't go to New York just to, to to go to one event. They're going to go there, spend the week there, sightsee, spend a lot of money, and, and uh, it's a good thing for the sport. It's a good thing for New York as well.
3: Okay, I, the UFC was sold for four point two billion dollars. That's four thousand two hundred million dollars. Four thousand two hundred million dollars um, worth more than the Manchester, UK, Barcelona, the soccer teams, or the Dallas Cowboys. That doesn't sound right to me. Does it sound right to you?
7: Uh, I think it does. As as the sport has grown and more people are growing into this internationally i think that some of the groups that have that have joined as the the giant conglomerate to purchase ufc understand its international value and you have giant countries like china and india where the populations are in the billions and they're just you know it's it's like a an untapped oil field you know there's so much money there and so much ability to to build a market in those places that i think they see it globally more so than than people do you know nationally here in the states
3: talking with Kyle Kingsbury. Of course, this is NMA on No Holds Bar via Sports Byline. We air each and every Sunday.
0: My mama told me She
2: said, son, please beware well. There's this thing called love And it's everywhere She told me It can break your heart I met this little woman
1: I feel it's happened to me And I'm telling you It's too late To turn back now
6: Hey you, yeah you, pull out your smartphone and Shazam this now. Go ahead, I'll wait. Geico presents the Shazam 15, featuring the top 15 Shazam songs in the U.S. Make sure you Shazam now to check it out. Interact with Geico to gecko yourself and share it with friends. You can even get a free quote. Shazam now and experience more with Geico. The Shazam 15, brought to you by Geico. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
2: This is Glenn Hagee, America's Master Handyman, with a Granger Tip of the Week. Many items that we depend on require batteries to operate. All batteries are not created equal. New battery technology is improving battery power and longevity. It is important to keep batteries fully charged. Only use the same size and style recommended by the manufacturer when replacing them. Be sure to insert batteries correctly
5: to avoid any damage. And now a word from Granger. The safety oath. Repeat after me. I will safely bring safety to my facility and keep it safe. I will safely keep my people safe. I will put safety first in everything I do and I will safely do so with Granger. When you think safety, think Granger. Granger's got over 100,000 safety products to help keep our facility safe and our people safer. When it comes to safety, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com/safety or stop by. Stranger for the ones who get it done
0: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez
1: the of night, with
2: the moon
1: so
3: Sometimes the two thirds You are tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide You're inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts don't forget tonight saturday night 10 p.m pacific time. johnny talking to his all-stars take to the airways folks my all-stars are zach attack young and dominic cad Waller. him and then, of course the man pulling the strings behind the uh screen there is uh mr scott Cuddy. we put together two hours of sports comedy social issues i do it all of course i got a 10 minute monologue called what is hip that's sort of interesting check it out tonight 10 p.m pacific time. Right here on Sports Byline. But wait, wait. That's not my entire Sports Byline schedule. So I'm going to lay it all out to you right now. I got a couple of minutes. Let's do this. Okay. Saturday, 10, 10, 10, Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific. i right here on Sports Byline. Combine both boxing, mixed martial arts, stars, a little pro wrestling as well. An hour of MMA and boxing, 11 a.m. Pacific time, Saturdays. Then we go Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific time, the aforementioned Johnny Taco and his All-Stars. Well I come back Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, two hours of ring talk, an hour of boxing, an hour of MMA and pro wrestling, all right? Two hours of that. Wait, wait, I'm not done. I come back at 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's right. Sundays with No Holds bar, Zach Attack, Young and I, of course, as well as Dr. Mike Leno on the wrestling end of it. We cover both boxing, wrestling, and mixed martial arts. We have fun here, folks. Different formats, different aspects, different attitudes, different personalities. Bottom line is we are the leader as it comes to the world of mixed martial arts coverage here, the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Now, straight up, the Olympics, not not, not showing us too many stars as far as the, the uh, United States team's concerned, but this one young lady, Clarissa Maria Shields, is like pretty damn good. She's fighting for the gold, man. No doubt about it, 165 pounds. And that's amazing because, you know, women's boxing five, six, seven years ago when they talked about wanting to put in the Olympics, and they were saying, yeah, there isn't enough good women boxers out there and this and that. But that's the only chance the Americans have is to have women boxing because the males just don't, they don't, they don't put forth there anymore. Let me tell you. Now, I'm not knocking African-American males, but I'm going to use this as an example. I looked at a video the other day, a 1971 video of the Shy Lights, which is a Chicago-based group, uh, soul group out of the 1970s, 80s. In fact, they're still touring, still one original member still alive. But I looked at the video, and everybody in the video was lean. You didn't see one heavyset person in the entire video, and went through the entire club, black people, white people, Hispanic people, but they went through the entire four minutes and somebody commented, I didn't, know, I didn't bring this up. Somebody commented when I put this up on YouTube. Notice everybody was slim back then. Yeah, well, you know, that's sort of a the American boxing picture as well. Back then, people were slim, they were lean, they were hungry. Now they're too well fed. You know, they're doing texting and and they're playing with their Game Boys and all this in this electronic stuff. Sort of it supersedes physical involvement in sports. And of course, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, when it comes to young guys taking blows as far as boxing is concerned, I think that you shouldn't take a blow to the head probably till you're 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. But then that's me, and here's a guy that started boxing at the age of 11. So what can I, you know, can I say? But then I had layoffs. I had hiatuses, uh, sabbaticals, calling which one. I ran off like seven or eight fights in about a year and a half from 11 to 12, make it 13. I think I was 13. I said, I'm done. I'm undefeated. Let me stay undefeated. So I sort of undefeated my, unde- I enjoyed my undefeated status for about, another three or four years and i ran into eddie smith at a boys club fight and he beat me oh i was devastated I Just was not in fight again for like five years i kid you know it took like five years to get me back in the ring not that i wasn't training not that i didn't want to fight again it's just that man that first loss was just damn i mean you know seven to zero, undefeated knocking everybody dead and then there was uh, obliterating everybody put in front of you then i get eddie smith and Eddie Smith outpoints me handily. There's no doubt about it. He won, of course, the late Eddie Smith of South San Francisco, California. But whether I'm talking amateur boxing or whether Andre Ward's talking amateur boxing, the bottom line is the guys aren't dedicated like myself and Ward were. I mean, I run up a mountain. You can Google You can Google uh, uh, Westboro Boulevard in South San Francisco. Google the hill there. I run up that hill. I used to run a, a quarter of a mile before that hill, run up that entire hill. I think it was 1.2 miles straight uphill and then sprint a mile across the skyline boulevard and then jump rope for 20 minutes. I can't get guys to do that. That's why I don't train fighters nowadays. That's why I don't train them, because they won't dedicate themselves. Bottom line is, they all want to do the internet. Training? What are you, crazy? Anyway, the bottom line is, Americans, athletes representing the 2016 Olympics as far as boxing is concerned is a clear illustration of the amateur game here in the United States as far as pugilism is concerned you are tuned to ring talk live worldwide don't forget johnny talking is all stars 10 p.m pacific on each and every saturday night right here on the sports byline broadcast. i thank scott cuddy i thank you until next time peace love much respect